93.7 Express FM. Hello and welcome to another coronavirus special podcast. On the show this week, we spoke to leader of Portsmouth City Council, Gerald Vernon Jackson, uh, about schools reopening, about the new introduction of support bubbles by the Prime Minister as well. We were also talking about dental practices as they in England have been allowed to reopen as of this week, but with social distancing measures difficult to implement, there has been some caution moving forward from the industry. We spoke to one dental practice who had decided to open their doors in Portsmouth this week. We were also talking to the new Theatre Royal after they launched a new scheme to thank Portsmouth's frontline workers. We heard from Henry Deacon as well, our local sport expert, as we finally know when football will return now to our beloved beloved Pompey. They will be playing for a place in the championship. We had more from Henry Deacon a little bit later and we will also be hearing how you are capturing these unprecedented, yes I said it again, times uh, throughout Pompey as well. As always, if you have a question or a query for the coronavirus special, you can email me robbie at expressfm.com and we kicked off the show with some positive numbers about no new deaths in Portsmouth over the last four days. Uh, That was as of when this show went out on Wednesday 10th of June and I put that question to Gerald Vernon Jackson, leader of Portsmouth City Council, that it was a positive sign that the second wave is a way away if it is anywhere. Which is is really, really good news Um, and, and if we're able to keep the R number down below one so that the infection rate doesn't grow, that will be really, really excellent. And, and, and every time there's a relaxation that we can do a little bit more, it's just trying to wait for those few weeks to see if, if it does make a difference to the R rate and if, if that's just a little bit too far. But, but so far it looks as if things are going in the right direction. Yeah, no, reading out those numbers as well, 322 cases in, in the Portsmouth City Council area and 3,358 in Hampshire. It shows how, how you know, well, it, I, say, I say in inverted commas, that, that Portsmouth's done. Yeah, oh, and the comparison with Southampton, I think the Southampton figure is 596. So uh, we're almost half of the number of cases there are in Southampton. So people have done really, really well in Portsmouth to, to stick by the rules, keep socially distance and make sure that that, the virus wasn't able to spread. Let's move on to this announcement that we've had from the Prime Minister then in the last hour, uh, the introduction of support bubbles. So as of Saturday, um, people in England, single single adult uh, households in England can mix with one other household. Uh, do you welcome this? Is this something that you were expecting? No, I didn't expect it, but I think it's not, not a bad idea. I think we have to be realistic that for people who've been on their own, for 10 weeks, it's tough. Um, and people who don't have a companion, uh, a partner, a family member living in the house with them, that, that sense of loneliness and, and being cut off uh, has been very profound. So if they are able to have that one family, that one other person that they're able to go and visit, um, I think that, that's going to be really good. And do you, do you think that uh, do you, it, it, it sounds to me? I know they say that single adult households. Do you think that this is likely to? I mean, to me, immediately, all I've seen is the headlines: is that you can now go and you can go around to one other person's house. It's yeah. not singled that out. Do you do you think that that's been, that's been clear enough? And, and do you do you also agree that only people that are living alone should be involved in that? It, all of this is about people making making decisions about what's right for them. Mm. Um, I know people who are shielded who are being very clear that they are not going out because if they do catch 
the virus, it's likely to have a very, very bad effect on their health. Um, We know lots and lots of parents with kids who could go to school uh, are choosing not to send their kids to school because they want to make sure their kids' health is protected. So I think people are being very cautious on the whole, uh, and, and that's probably exactly the right thing to do. Let's stick with uh, with what you mentioned there then about about the schools. Um, the announcement a couple of days ago uh, from the government to drop plans for for all of England's primary children to return for a month before the summer break was this some? This, I mean, to me, this felt like something that was going to be on the cards and something that sort of needed to happen. Do you agree? Yes, uh, the, the government clearly couldn't do um, couldn't do its maths. Um, y- you can't get all kids in a school into a school building and keep social distancing. They, they, they just hadn't done the simple maths to work out that that was completely unrealistic, which head teachers have been telling them for, for weeks and weeks. And so I'm, I'm glad finally they've got there, but it, 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 it just shows the level of unreality that they work with that they ever thought it was possible. And has that been, I know last week we were only a few days into, into the, the school sort of starting to reopen. What's the, what's in the last week, I, I sense that you've been getting more and more feedback yeah. that, that they're not ready for, for more pupils. Well, but, but, but they're ready for some more pupils. It's just you can't get everybody in. Um, and uh, in the primary sector, um, the government has said you can't do rotors. Um, in the secondary sector, you can. Um, and rotors are probably going to be the way you go because it's the only way. If you've got to have half the number of kids in a school, uh, you, you either have a rotor or some kids do the morning and some kids do the afternoon. You just can't physically get those number of kids into a class, into a class or a school and keep social distancing. Um, and, and the advice is really clear. We've got to keep the social distancing. I remember that I remember I can't remember who it was, but someone from from the UK government. I remember saying a few, probably about a month or so back, saying that social distancing is is gonna you know might will probably have to be in place for for the rest of this year. And I, I remember that. And and we're we're saying that okay, they won't be going back for before the summer break, but they'll go yeah. back in September. That's still not a year. And and no. you know, are we, do you think that it's gonna? Is it realistic that we will see everyone back in September? Do you think? I don't know. Um, we don't know what progress is going to be with a vaccine. We don't know what we're going to be able to learn from other countries that are further advanced than we are uh, in, the, in this uh, epidemic. Um, it, it may be, but it, but it may be that we do with, with kids in school that we do do it on a rotor basis, that some do morning school, some do afternoon school. We may, there may be just different ways of doing things. But, that, but but life won't be the same. Mm. We, we can all be pretty certain of that. Yeah, I, I, well, I, I, I'd like to think that, that at least there will be some fresh start, wouldn't there? But, but yeah. I can't see that. Can you, could you see them sort of, I'm, I'm thinking out loud, but could you, can you see them sort of delaying the start of the year? I, I don't know. I, in some ways, I hope they don't, because I think we need to see if we can get back to some, some level of normality. Um, mm as much as we're able to do. Um, so one of the things that the council will be announcing over the next couple of days is work that we're going to be doing to make sure that when the shops open again on Monday, uh, most shops haven't been open but will be able to be open from Monday, that we put in place on all the different shopping streets in the city 
measures so that people can, can queue to get into the shops, but they can also get past while keeping the two-metre social distance. Now, that's going to be big, big changes on all the shopping streets, which effectively means we're going to have to take out all the car parking because while people queue on the pavement, people need somewhere to be able to get past them, and that will be on the road where the parking has been in the past. And it's these big, big changes to how we live our lives that are going to affect us for a long time to come. You've, you've, you've done a good job of taking that question out of my mouth because my next question was going to be on the, the, the reopening of shops on Monday. Yeah. So, uh, so non-essential shops you know, can reopen on Monday. Yeah. From what you know in Portsmouth, what is uh, local business owners and, uh, and shop workers, how are, they, how are they feeling from what you know well, in Portsmouth? They're desperate to get some money in their tills. Um, but are they desperate to work, to go into that environment? I, I think people who own shops and run them... Um, a need for those shops to survive. Uh, so I know shopkeepers who are who are looking forward to opening again. I don't know if everybody will, mm-hmm. um, but but if you don't have money coming through the till, uh, businesses fail. Um, so I think a lot of shops will reopen, that and they will find ways of operating it in a socially distanced way that mean that customers can come and go. There'll be less use of cash. Um, cards and it, it, contactless payments through cards is much much easier, um, but but I think that's going to be a getting the shops open again will be a really important bit about people feeling that we we're getting a bit back to normal. Yeah, what well, so so I, I suppose essentially what we can go on is is what we've seen from the supermarkets, but for. To me, you know, although I, you know, I've been to the supermarket in the last few weeks, and and I, I've not felt bad about that. I've I felt okay doing that. I felt fairly safe. However, the the thought of suddenly working in a shop, you know, that is non-essential, and, and and the thought of sort of you know suddenly being around so many people that are from different households, that that does just sitting here right now, I feel a little bit anxious thinking about that. Do you do you think that there will be a lot of people that will that they might have to go back financially? Yes, but equally. The, you know, people's health has to come first. There, there, there are levels of risk in all of this. Mm. And there are, so I've been to do the weekly shop at Tesco's today, um, and there are people stacking the shelves and at the tills. Without those people, I wouldn't have been able to go and buy our week shopping. Um, we wouldn't have food in the, in the fridge. So shop workers have been key workers throughout this epidemic. And I think people in the in the shops around the city will want to open again. And I'm sure they will put in an enormous amount of thought uh, into trying to make sure that people who work in their shops are protected. Um, shop owners and, and small business people really are dedicated to making sure that um, people who work for them are, are looked after properly. So um, I, I'm sure they'll do it right. But the more, the longer we've been doing this, the more we've learned how to do it right. Um, so making sure there's hand gel as people come into uh, into a shop, making sure everybody's got a mask on, making sure that you always keep that socially distanced two metres away from each other, that we don't use cash anymore. Maybe you have screens up so that, um, uh, as so many shops do now, you, you, when, when people come in to, to buy things, that there is a plastic screen between them and, and the person at the till. So all these things are possible. All these things have been done by lots and lots of shops in the city. Um, 
and I expect lots of others which will open from Monday will want to do the same. Well, contactless came around at a good time, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, and they've whacked up the, the limit, so it's 45 quid now, yeah. which makes life a little bit easier. Yeah, it, do, it does, absolutely. And, and uh, that's how I think everyone has been paying for the last last few weeks, apart from when I saw one not working a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Gerald, listen, thank you as always for your, for your time this evening, and uh, take care of yourself. Look after yourself, and thanks for your time as well. Express FM. Now, dental practices in England have been allowed to reopen as of this week, uh, but with social distancing measures difficult to implement, there has been some caution moving forward from the industry, uh, with around a third of those deciding not to open. One practice who have decided to uh, reopen their doors, though, is Clarendon Dental Clinic, uh, and we've got Dr. Shalg Johnson, uh, specialist specialist orthodontist, I should say, uh, at Clarendon Dental Clinic on the line. So, uh, Dr. Johnson, and you've uh, you've opened to everyone, is that right? Routine appointments, etc. So for this week and next week, we'll work our way through the emergencies. Then we will slowly start seeing our own patients who were due for a checkup and review during the lockdown. So we'll start seeing them as well, and also taking on new patients. There will probably be a lot of practices not opening yet, so. Most likely, quite a few patients with still problems out there. So we try to help out the best we can. So I suppose initially it's going to be, initially it'll be people that need sort of emergency help. Is that, is that how it's been? Because it has been open. There have been places that have been open um, for emergencies the last few months, haven't there? But I suppose now is it sort of the, the filtering down more? Yeah, it's true. I mean, you had the, uh, the hubs, the uh, NHS hubs that were mm-hmm. set up to help with um, some emergencies. I mean, it's been a bit, uh, what shall I say? Um, I think it's just a really urgent care only. So obviously loads of people out there with some, you know, they lost feelings, still some pain, you know, some bridge come off and different things. They haven't really been helped. So, the, yeah, they need to be looked after now. And also it's about preventing future pain and problems, you know. Uh, and pl- plenty of practices, of course, are, are not opening this week. Um, I, th- I think it was the statistics were about a, a third of practices were probably not likely to open because of the difficulties in implementing the, the social distancing measures. Um, how have yeah. you how have you guys found a way around that? Well, it's tricky. Uh, we've been working really hard the last since the government announced it. Um, what we managed to get a fit test, you know, for the masks and everything. So that was done yesterday. We got our gowns in this morning. And we've just been, you know, you just have to use your network, talk to friends, colleagues, whatever is out there, and see what help you can get. So we managed, yeah. So, so what's... And, um, go on, yeah, I was go. just going to say, what's the customer experience then when they come in? What, what's changed? So the, we're not using the patient lounge waiting area yet. So that's shut off. We tried to... So this week, we only have one dentist because we got four surgeries. There's only one dentist at a time. Next week, we'll probably start doing two dentists at a time, but now just one dentist. To so be quieter, you know, we are private practice, which is just not mega busy, mm. but still, we'll be quieter than normal. So one patient coming in, they ring the doorbell, the reception come and open the door, invite them in, and then, you know, hand gel, and then hopefully be taken straight into the surgery. We don't want them to be hanging around in the practice, basically. And then do the treatment, and then get next appointment, and off they go. And, and how have um, 
how have the, you said there's only sort of one one dentist at a time uh, going on? How how have they found it? How has everyone that works there found it? Uh, your colleagues? How how do you find it? How did you how did you feel going in on going in on Monday morning? <laughs> well, so Monday morning and Monday and Tuesday was just to get things up running. It was a really obviously I've been in during the lockdown to check on the practice, but it's a very strange <laughs> feeling actually tried to get it up running again. It's more to it than you would have thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the lockdown was actually easier because you just say that counts everything. But now you need to prioritize patients. You need to um, get the phone lines back up running, the computer systems, the cleaning. It, it's a lot. So um, it was almost a little bit, well, where do we start <laughs> type of feeling. But the staff's been brilliant. You know, we got such a great team. So everyone's just really helping out and you start somewhere and then slowly, slowly, you know, you start realizing what you have to do. But well, yeah, it's been stressful. <laughs> I, I can, well, I can, I can imagine. And, and, and I mean, it's a, it's obviously a, such a, such a, uh, such importance with hygiene at the best of times in this industry and in, in dentists. But I suppose, like you said, there must have been a lot of work that you've had to do since, you know, you, you've, you've shut down in the last, in the last few months, a yeah. lot of things getting dusty and the, there must have been all sorts of cleaning that you had to do in the last few, last few days. Yeah. Well, we, we did a proper cleaning before the lockdown you know, to make sure it was clean as possible. Mm. But yeah, no, it's been a lot of cleaning. But also, you know, we need to, which I actually think is quite good. Because, you know, coming from Scandinavia, I'm used to <laughs> quite minimalistic style. So I don't mind it. Actually, we sort of removed a lot of things just to get as clean surfaces as possible, which actually is not a bad thing. So it's not all bad. Um, but yeah, no, it's a huge job. And what's the, what's the feedback been from from customers, people that have that have come in the last couple of days? Have they have they seemed have they have they have they has the feedback been positive? Yeah, so far so good. I think to be honest, they are just happy that someone will see them because you said it yourself that many practices are not up running yet. Yeah, I you know, so so they are. I think they're just when we actually call them and say, "Could you come in?" They're quite surprised almost. I think so. Yeah, so uh, good. Yeah, and I, and I suppose it's been um, well. I mean, I, I, I'm I'm delighted if I'm honest with you. I haven't had to go through any <laughs> through any dental pain or or a pain in my mouth in the last yeah. couple of months. Um, so I suppose. Do you think that in the, in the next uh, few weeks, do you reckon that sort of like you said, there's lots of communication in the industry with your with other colleagues and and everything. Do you think that we'll see we'll, we will see more dental practice uh, practices open more often? I think we'll see slowly, slowly. I mean, I can be honest with you. I think there's a also, you know, is it worth it type of input here? Mm. I know this is not good business in that way. You know, we normally have four surgeries, and there's one surgery, but still almost a full team involved. So, you know, it's not like a money-making machine. <laughs> it's almost losing money, but it's just providing the service at the moment. But I think for sure, some will think, is it actually worth it? Or what are you going to do? Should I hold back a little bit longer? Or what's the best thing to do? You know, the PPE, the, the protective equipment, they, it's so expensive. And is it you that's having to pay for all of that? Yes, everything. Have you, had, have you had much communication with, with sort of the, the council or the government? How's that worked? Has there been any sort of no, financial aid? Nothing. It's been really, really bad. Sorry, <laughs> I'll be honest. No, no, no. It hasn't, it, it hasn't been good. And what what do you what what would you what would you have liked to have seen? Is it been throughout? Is it just at the start? What what would so you like? To start with, like I said, when the government, you know, when they announced that dental practices can open again, mm. 
I, I wasn't watching the BBC then. I found out a patient emailing me saying, I hear you opening up again. When can I be seen? And I was like, are we opening up again? I didn't know that. Then I went to BBC News and I found out. Wow. You know, you thought you would have some communication from someone about this is what you're planning on doing. Mm. But I think... so it hasn't been good. I think it's been a similar thing with the schools. That's what we've been hearing with with teachers yeah. saying that you know they they only hear when it when it comes out on the on the telly. Well, um, I'm yeah. listen. I'm pleased and, that go on. You know, yeah, but I mean, don't get me wrong. I wouldn't like to be a prime minister in this situation. You know, so I'm not so it's easily criticised. I get that. Um, it, it's not an easy situation to be in. So, but you know, some type of communication would have been good because it's your healthcare. You know, people are suffering. Sure. Well, thank you very much for your, for your time. I'm 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 pleased to. I'm sorry that you uh, that that you didn't experience more communication, and and I'm and I'm pleased that you're back open now, and I know you'll be helping uh, a load of people as yeah. well. So thanks for coming on the show this evening and talking to us. You're welcome. Pleasure. My pleasure. Dr. Charles Johnson, a specialist orthodontist at Clarendon Dental Clinic, uh, right now. A little bit of a left turn. New Theatre Royal Portsmouth has announced a new scheme offering Christmas panto audiences the opportunity to pay it forward and purchase a ticket for Portsmouth's frontline workers fighting coronavirus. Another uh, example of the community coming together. We've got the operations director at New Theatre Royal, Sheena Hume, on the line. Sheena, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll come on to uh, what you're doing, the, the brilliant scheme that the New Theatre Royal are doing in just a second. Um, first up, ha- how have things been in the last, last few months? All pretty quiet, I imagine, uh, around the New Theatre Royal? Um, well, quiet and hectic at the same time because we've obviously had to move a lot of our shows from the spring season um, into autumn and most of them are actually moving into 2021 Okay, uh, and and um, I suppose is this where the sort of the idea for for this new scheme offering offering Christmas panto audiences the opportunity to to pay it forward uh, as such and, and purchase the ticket um, for for the for the frontline workers in Portsmouth fighting coronavirus. This is a, this is a perfect example of of giving something back to the community, isn't it? Yeah. Well, we were looking um, because we've got it's so uncertain. We thought Christmas would be the best option, and it's such a great sort of Cinderella being a panto, it's such a great tradition for, um, you know, the UK. And um, it was just something we thought um, we could give back. And, we, and it's specifically for NHS frontline workers and key workers um, in care homes in the Portsmouth area. Um, you basically can pay £10 when you book your panto tickets and um, we collate all the tickets and then we give them to um, these people. Uh, and how so? How will that work logistically? So is this so? Essentially, anyone that is uh, that that w- that wants to can go onto your website, book a ticket, or call up and book a ticket, and then and then they have sort of an optional. Is it is it like an optional ten pounds or just ten pounds on on top, or what is it? Yeah, it's optional. So you they can buy tickets um, for the um, pay forward scheme, and then we collate all the tickets that have been um, donated by um, obviously our customers. And um, then we will hand, um, give them to the um, organisations for them to hand out. Um, the idea is that they come with their families, not on their own. So we, mm. you know, we'd give like four tickets um, to each group. And I suppose it's it, it's nice, isn't it, that it'll happen around around Christmas because there's so many of, of us at the moment, myself included. We we want to sort of give something back to to the key workers at the moment, but it's not it's not really the you know the best time. It's not a practical time because there is so much going on. So I suppose hopefully by Christmas, the, the, your thinking is that by Christmas things will have sort of calmed down a bit. 
Uh, yeah, well, we um, definitely hope so, and people would need a rest and something to look forward to. So, yes, it, it, with, with the autumn season being quite uncertain as to whether social distancing will be happening and obviously shows are quite uncertain as to whether they can go forward or not, we're hoping by the time we get to December there'll be, you know, more stability and it'll be an opportunity for um, all these people that have worked so hard um, on our behalf to... Um, have something to look forward to and enjoy. Yeah, and how will it? Um, just trying to think of sort of the the big picture. How how do you think that the last few the last few months has has impacted the theatre industry? And, and more more to the point, really, how how do you think it'll affect things going forward? I mean, you obviously you're planning now for you plan these things so far in advance, don't you? Moving shows to next year and and everything. How, do you think? Do you see any changes already sort of coming coming in next year that that are gonna that are gonna come in this industry? Um, it's really hard to say because obviously we're um, in the theatre industry are the last, probably the last, um, you know, group to to be going um, to be opening up again. Um, you know, there's a lot of um, uncertainty in our industry and a lot of nervousness. Mm. We, we obviously are seeing theatres, unfortunately, going into administration on quite a regular basis now. But we have been lucky that some, you know, people like Sam Mendes have got involved to try and. Um, come up with solutions to our industry because um, we we are, you know, really struggling at the moment. And we're, obviously we're not the only industry in this situation, but it is really uncertain times. And many of our venues um, can't actually work very well with social distancing. You know, Victorian buildings like we've got, you know, going to the loo at the interval and things like that is going to be a real struggle. And actually, most people go to the theatre to enjoy the atmosphere and, you know, the crowd and that sort of thing. And that's you know, very difficult to facilitate when you're social distancing two metres apart. So, yeah, it is a very, it's a very difficult time for our industry at the moment. It's strange. It kind of went when you when you were saying that. It kind of reminded me a little bit of, of a lot of the things we're hearing around sport, and and you know, obviously, sport is so um, the professional side of sport is so targeted at, at the audience, and sits very similar in in these creative industries and the theatre industry. Do you, do you see any changes? Maybe through sort of, it's not something that you can necessarily do behind closed doors, but do you think it's something you, sort of the the use of online streaming things like that? Could you could you see them coming into play at any point? Yeah, actually, um, a lot of um, venues have started um, online streaming. The National's doing a lot, and um, it's um, starting to happen with more regional theatres as well. But they um, need to have the capacity to do this without, you know, obviously most people have furloughed their staff, and they need technical staff to assist the the digital Mm. side. It is um, quite expensive to set up if you don't have that facility already. And the engagement um, is is yet to build. So we have got some, you know, venues in Hampshire that have started doing online um, tentatively. But when you've got the national and, you know, really big organisations already doing it for free, it's really hard for the smaller organisations to be able to facilitate that as well. But yes, it's absolutely something that will have to happen, you know, in the short term. And it might be something that, you know, does really... Um, um, kick off as we as we move forward but we've um um indigo are doing a very big survey of all venues across the country and a lot of the feedback they've got is that actually people go to the theater because they enjoy the atmosphere of being in a, a venue watching live you know theater so actually doing 
doing it digitally isn't hasn't just got the same um, experience, unfortunately. Sure. Well, we we uh, I'm 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 delighted that we know that that it will come back. <laughs> the theatre industry will come back, as uh, you know, some industries obviously aren't aren't as lucky. But we know that that we will be back at the theatre, and and there will um there will thankfully always be always be a need for for it. And like you said, the atmosphere, and especially at somewhere like the the new theatre hall, is is wonderful. And you're you're a fantastic venue. So thank you for doing such a such, such a uh, wonderful scheme for the for the community. We appre- we appreciate that, and um, I know the frontline workers will as well. And uh, look, take care of yourselves. We we hope to be back there soon. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you. League One clubs finally yesterday voted to curtail the season, meaning that Pompey finished fifth uh, in an unweighted points per game system. It means that Kenny Jackett's side will now face Oxford in a two-legged playoff with the winners facing either Wickham or Fleetwood for a spot in the championship. That is the latest as we had it. Up to about three minutes ago when we have just had a, another statement by Portsmouth Football Club and we've got our local sport expert, uh, host of Over the White Line on the line as well, Henry Deacon. Evening, Henry. Very good evening, Robbie. So we, as of, uh, like I said, before about five minutes ago, we knew Pompey would be playing in playoffs. Uh, they'd be taking on Oxford United, uh, trying to get through, of course, into the playoff final. Uh, this is all pending little things that are going on, and this is one of the obstacles that Pompey might have had to, and these other clubs have to get over. And can you explain to us the announcement that's been made in the last few minutes, please? So Portsmouth just put out a statement on their club website announcing that two players have tested positive for coronavirus following the latest round of testing. The two players we don't know yet are which two have contracted coronavirus, but as per government guidelines, they will self-isolate now for the next two weeks. Uh, players in League One have been tested about twice a week, so we expect another round of testing, uh, maybe either side of the weekend. Uh, so... Not good news for Pompey, obviously. Um, obviously, as you said, clubs on Wednesday, yesterday, uh, sorry, Tuesday, yesterday, um, voted to, to end the League One season. Pompey voted to play on. Um, so, yeah, they play Oxford over a two-legged semi-final. Now, that was due to take place around the 18th, 19th and 20th. Now, we're on the 10th of June, aren't we, at the moment? Um, so, it's inconceivable that those players, if it is played over that, um, the 18th, 19th, 20th period, which I know League Two are, then they're, they're going to be out of both legs. Yeah, well, I suppose I'm just trying to trying to think how how many players roughly in the squad because because we got to remember these these squads are big. Well, they're they're adding five substitutes. I think a match day squad can go up to 19. Um, mm. Usually, when you have got things like this, you've got a 24 man squad, but. The thing is, obviously, we don't know whether they're the only two because what we don't know is that if the next round of testing, whether another two will go on from that because, as we know, the rate of infection, the average one person infects three people. There was a situation in the German second division where Team Dynamo Dresden, were, were basically their games were, were called off because I think it's something like three or four players uh, tested positive for coronavirus. Now, Pompey have got two players tested positive for coronavirus. They've got little room for error. So you would have, you would have, you would have thought then. So if they're looking to play these games, uh, these playoff games in the on the 18th, 19th, 20th, you would have thought that they're not going to be involved, there, and that will potentially put the games in jeopardy. But surely it won't. Uh, I, I assume that these games are subject to being postponed and not cancelled. I'm assuming so. Um, yeah. I'm I'm pretty sure the EFL and the framework will have um, provisions as as to what happens if 
such a situation did arise. Um, as I say, at the moment, it's two players that uh, had coronavirus. So we don't know what would happen because as well, the other thing is that with the semi-final, there's two other teams trying to get another semi-final. So what you're going to have is two teams then waiting around, having to train, do extra testing, if this game is called off because of coronavirus. And we don't know if that continues and continues and continues. It will be it will be uh, postponed if the EFL deem it, safe to, uh, deem, it, deem it unsafe to be played. But it, this is, I mean, it looked all set for Pompey playing lots of a two-legged game. And at the moment, two players testing positive, it does cast some doubt. And I suppose that if, uh, I'm trying to do, sort of do some math in my head, I, I suppose that um, with Pompey sitting, where, where were they sitting in the in the table? Just remind me, because they fourth, were... They, fourth in the table. Fourth, yeah, I don't know why I've got fifth written down. So fourth in the table. So they would have had, uh, who who was above them? Um, sorry, they were fifth, yeah. Oxford United and Wickham moved up from eighth to third in the table. So uh, Wickham, uh, third place team, Oxford, fourth place team. And, and Fleetwood would have been below. So I suppose... <laughs> You would have thought that there's no way, at least, that this is this isn't going to be a situation of well, your team's got people tested positive, in which case Oxford go through type. That that that's out of the question. I know there'll be loads of. I know this isn't the most important thing. Completely appreciate that, but I know there'll be loads of Pompey fans that'll be thinking, "Oh, hang on, what is this going to mean? We get knocked out? Surely that's not going to be the case." No way can I see that being the case. So that's open for me to so many legal challenges. It's unbelievable. So I don't think that will happen. It's just what likely happens to... now, and obviously, obviously, when you know, as we're talking now, we're about quarter to seven on Tuesday, on, on Wednesday, we're about this probably this news is about ten minutes old. Yeah. We don't quite know the circumstances of what happens next. I'm assuming um, that a statement will be made by the EFL about this because it is so close to to a game, um, and because there's only a few clubs. This will be a highlighted example of the testing system. And you, you would have thought we'll hear something, that there will be something in place, because I'm sure when they all sat down yesterday, there was this big meeting that we've been hearing of. They they will have, you know, they're not, I, I would certainly hope that they wouldn't have, you know, just brushed over the fact, oh, what if someone tests positive in, in these teams? There will, I would have thought there would have been planning that's gone into place. Oh, oh without, without any shadow of a doubt. The players have got various insurance policies and things like yeah. that, so... For those to be even valid, they'd have to be the, stri- the strongest and, and stringent of coronavirus measures. So, <laughs> what it does do, it, it opens it opens a massive can of worms. And as soon as Pompey uh, thought they'd have half a decent chance, probably their best chance in years of getting promoted for the playoffs, mm. um, this seems to happen. But we just hope it's just a little bump. Okay, let's, um, <laughs> if we can, breeze over as if, as if that hasn't happened for now, because, of course, up until uh, the last few minutes, we, we knew that, that Pompey, we knew the decision that had come from the EFL yesterday. Let's now, uh, let's pause for a couple of minutes and listen to uh, the chief executive of Portsmouth Football Club, Mark Catlin, reflecting yesterday to the club on, his, on the decision taken by the EFL. Obviously, it was slight disappointment for us because we were committed to try and finish the whole season on the pitch. But with the vote that was taken this morning and the behind the scenes, we've, we've obviously been working towards as well. We do have the comfort now that we have got a shot at getting promoted to the championship um, via the playoffs. So disappointment for, for football generally, I feel that we couldn't finish the season on the pitch. However, 
that's been done, dusted. We have to move forward. And we've got an exciting semi-final playoff against Oxford now coming up sometime soon. Of course, fans will want to know how it affects season tickets, match tickets, hospitality, etc. What are the next steps for that now? Well, now we've got some clarity with how the season has finished. Everything that we've been working on in the last few months with our board, senior execs, Tony Goodall Fans Conference, H&A board, we can really get that finalised now. So hopefully by the end of this week, we'll have something out there with fans and it will describe what we're doing in regards of season ticket credits, refunds, aligned with match day as well. And of course, it means we're looking forward to the playoffs now. How confident are you going into them? Very confident. Um, the lads have been back now for a week or so. They're very pumped up, looking forward to it. It's effectively a three-game shootout to get to the championship. So um, would have been nice to have gone up automatically and not have to go through this way. But the opportunity is still there. You know, we have to grasp it with both hands and hopefully now we can put what's happened over the last two, three months in regards of football-wise behind us and we can really focus on hopefully achieving promotion. Mark Allen, Chief Executive of Portsmouth Football Club, on the decision taken yesterday by the EFL to curtail the season. Uh, Henry Heap, obviously, it's, it's, it kind of seems like bittersweet because, of course, Portsmouth have a, or we think still, they have a chance of going up to the championship, but it's not the way that they want it to happen. No, they wanted to, to finish the season and, and realistically any club in the top seven will, top, top, you know, top seven, top half will want to finish the season. The problem is financially in League One and League Two as well. There's no way they, a lot of clubs lower down that league could have financially been able to afford behind closed door games. Not without a financial TV package deal, which is obviously going to go to the Premier League because that's where the money is. And as we, as we know, every game is being broadcast live. There's not such a thing for the Championship. And there's a lot of in League One and Two. So the money really wasn't there to sustained behind closed doors football and that's ultimately why the, the season was curtailed. And do you think that that'll, that'll just very, very quickly, we're running out of time, do you think that'll, that Pompey are one of the clubs that really need it, really need the money at the moment? Are they one of the strugglers? They're probably one of the ones that could have played behind closed doors and survived. Okay, cool. Uh, and just quickly before we let you go as well, unfortunately we're a bit pushed for time, but um, we've got an update as well from uh, the Haven at Waterlooville scene as well. Yes, so um, the National League Board, following the EFL decision, they've met today. We're assuming the framework of what's going to happen, similar to the EFL, will be made today. The clubs are meeting tomorrow. Uh, the clubs are meeting tomorrow on Zoom with the league, league by league. Uh, so we'll meet with the South League North and the National. We believe the decision will be made on what happens uh, tomorrow, and then we believe an announcement will be made public on Friday. So haven't found. Stay close to your phone because Friday could be the day and considering their second could go up with PPG or they may have to play in the playoffs. If that happens, my belief is that it, it seems more than likely to be played over a week for teams quarantined at St George's Park. Tell you what, this is this is too complicated for sport, isn't it? Everything that's going on at the moment. We're, us, us sort of sports boffins are not programmed to try and understand all of these things. But um, no. there's, yeah, it's it's crazy. So... All right, Henry. Well, um, we're, not, we're not getting any cricket this season, are we, from a, from a club point of view? No, no, unfortunately not. Um, I think the test series against West Indies is probably as good as what we're going to get. Yeah, not what I wanted to hear, but there, but there we go. Um, listen, Henry, thank you very much indeed, and thanks for, for bringing us the latest on that, uh, that new story as well uh, that's out of Pompey. Thanks, mate. My pleasure. Anytime.
Local sport expert and, of course, presenter of Over the White Line here at Express FM, Henry Deacon, reflecting on the news there that Portsmouth, like we mentioned, have just in the last few minutes released news that two of their players have tested positive for coronavirus. Those games potentially, uh, I say potentially, uh, meant to be taking place against Oxford United on the 18th, 19th and 20th of this month. So we will find out. We'll bring you any news as and when we have it. Keep an eye on our socials at ExpressFM and our website as well, expressfm.com. Right, Gloria Miller and Music for the Soul from 7 o'clock this evening. Now, we're living in some crazy times and it's times that will go down in history and Martine and Penny are currently compiling stories and taking photos for a coffee table style book of black and white pictures and stories from lockdown that will act as a record capturing the events and emotions of the time and spotlighting the local heroes that we have lived with and through at this amazing time. We've got Martine Bolton on the line now. Martine, hi to you. Hi. Now, uh, I am really intrigued to hear about what you're doing because you are you are clearly doing a wonderful job of capturing the moments that, that we are living in at the moment, which are pretty extreme. Um, talk me through what you're, what you're up to, please. So I'm working together with a local photographer called Penny Plimmer. Um, Penny has about 40 years' worth of commercial photography experience. And um, I met up with Penny probably about three or four weeks ago now. So she was doing some photography for me. Um, just capturing it was myself and my husband's 25th wedding anniversary and she was just saying that yeah um but in her daily walks on lockdown she'd been taking some photos and we began talking a bit about the doorstep photography that has been taking place during um lockdown and um you know when you're in a conversation with somebody and your kind of ideas get a bit wild and I said you know, I can see it now, Penny, uh, you know, a really large coffee table style book, black and white images, <laughs> you know, telling the stories of um, what people got up to during lockdown and, and really kind of highlighting all the heroes that are out there doing great stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, I was thinking I was getting a bit penny carried away, but Penny just said, uh, actually, I really like that idea. And, um, you know, would you help me with that? So, but Penny just said, can you, can you, work with me and, and tell the stories, talk to the people, get the stories, and I'll take the pictures. So so that's really where it all came from. And, and so I suppose, so what have you been doing? Have you sort of basically been sort of uh, strolling around the city and, and just trying to sort of find uh, little things? Or are you sort of more setting up sort of photo shoots with people, trying to get in touch with different figures? What how, How's that going? Yeah, so... A bit of all of the above, actually. We've um, we've just been putting out some, I suppose, requests on social media for mm-hmm. anybody that either has a story themselves or that knows somebody that has. Um, so maybe a story that deserves to be told, or something which is a really strong memory of lockdown. Which, you know, in history and in retrospect, it will be nice to just look back on and just remember that those things happened. So, um, but I think Penny has been just out and about. She's done lots of miles on her bike, her push bike, in her get sort of keep fit yeah. <laughs> campaign. Um, and so she has just been doing some random snap- snapping. You know, there is a, an underbelly, if you like, of of kind of very, you know, I don't want to say ordinary people because we, we're all just ordinary people, really, aren't we? Mm. But people who, in the normal scheme of things, you know, maybe seemingly unextraordinary, um, but just, you know, your neighbours, your friends, and probably you as well, <laughs> you know, people who have just been doing 
the most wonderful things, whether they're supporting people in their community, whether they're entertaining, whether they're making things. So there's people who've been baking bread and cake and, you know, all these different ways in which we're showing our love for people. Mm. Um, and I think it, it's really highlighting that, yes, there are the heroes that we that we know and that we love. But also within within everybody, there's a bit of a hero. <laughs> you know, you talk to most people and if you dig deep enough, there's, a, a, you know, a story of um, some really, really good things that have been happening. And yet on the, you know, sometimes when you watch the, the news in the evening on the telly, um, you know, most of what we're seeing is kind of the stats, you know, the numbers, the people who are dead and who are still contracting the disease. And you would be forgiven for thinking that, you know, these are really terrible times, which, of course, you know, it's difficult for a lot of people and there have been plenty of tragedies. But despite all of that, um, there's been amazing, amazing acts of kindness and things going on. Mm. And overwhelmingly, the information that's coming into Penny and myself is uplifting and positive. So perhaps in the most difficult times, human beings really show that they are more than just, <laughs> you know, that we are we are superheroes. They are. They're, they are amazing. And, and, and like you say, it's sort of... We, it's easy to forget, especially in the kind of uh, the kind of world we live in at the moment. It's easy to forget that everything everything is history, isn't it? And everything will one day become history, and 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 this moment will 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 go down in history. And we will all, uh, for the rest of our lives, we'll all look back and we'll say, you know, we'll be saying when we when we are finally having that pint in the pub, we're, we'll be saying, oh, I remember when I was doing doing this throughout the the coronavirus pandemic. And I suppose it's it is going to be so important, that, and that that's why the work that you and, and Penny are doing is so great to to actually try and capture it and to and to hopefully teach people as well in the in the future and and I imagine what kind of sort of stories have you been getting what kind of people have you met over the last few weeks so all sorts of different stories so um people's achievements there's been loads of things like home and garden transformations yeah. um people have been you know the street parties the people who've been out entertaining their neighbors and just just really encouraging connection between people. So lots of stories of people who've lived on the same streets for, you know, five, 25, however many years. And, you know, you might see the faces and know them to say hello to, but people who've really got to know each other for the first time. Um, as well as stories of, I don't know if you saw in local press, Hanasaurus Rex, the lady who's been dressing up as a in an inflatable dinosaur costume. And we had her on the went, show. Amazing. Did you really? Just yeah. an amazing person. Um, who else? Just the, so many. So uh, Amy Baker, singer, lives in South Sea. She um, did a VE Day concert. So she's a jazz uh, singer generally, jazz and swing. And um, she's been doing Facebook li- live sessions for, I think, probably three times a week. Um, and really, it's enabled her to have a reach far wider than just the local area. So she mm-hmm. has fans now, I think, in Holland and in America and in Italy and um, and, you know, just people who are little rays of sunshine, who who just do something. They use their own inherent talents to to kind of cheer other people up, or to to just remind people that although things are difficult, you know, this is temporary. It will soon be over. And and actually, some really amazing things are coming out of this time that we don't want to be too quick to lose. Yeah, absolutely, and I, I, I can't, I can't wait to, or already to sort of, you know, in, in twenty years' time to look through, look through a book, a book like you're creating or something like that, and 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 look back and think, oh, 
bloody hell yeah i remember those times you know and and um what do you so are you still putting this together and people can still get involved with this yeah they can yeah so um so i'm on word so i'm sitting here in my little office penny god love her she's the creative genius (laughs) she's the real hero she's going out and she's taking all the pictures so i think at the moment she probably has um, a little bit of a backlog of people that she's trying to catch up with in terms of the photographs but we're still looking for stories we haven't really yet got enough of the front line um people so anybody who's doing great things on the front line whether they be emergency services or you know even the food delivery drivers um it doesn't really matter just any stories which um you know are uplifting or of what people have been up to um if they could get in touch we'd be really grateful so probably the best way um to get in touch is via email is it okay if i give you an email address that people can contact of course by? of course go for it <laughs> so the best one is contact at sunshinedevelopment.co.uk contact at sunshinedevelopment.co.uk but yeah in the meantime if anybody's got anything um that they feel needs to be shared we would love to hear from them so contact at sunshinedevelopment.co.uk oh well martine thank you so much for for chatting to us uh, this evening and that is it, it's wonderful what you're doing and uh, please pass our our gratitude on to penny as well great job Thank you very much. All the best. A big thank you to all of my guests this week. Of course, if you have a question or a query or a story you'd like to tell us for future episodes of the Coronavirus Special, you can email me anytime at robbie at expressfm.com and the Coronavirus Special returns on Wednesday from 6 o'clock.